The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you longing for a place where hope, ideas, and new ways of thinking can arise? For nearly 50 years, Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, has been a gathering place where world-class teachers provide innovative educational experiences that cultivate extraordinary potential in us all. Join us either on campus or online. To learn more, visit eomega.org. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome all of you intentional spirits. You know, often I say in order to be a difference maker, you certainly must be willing to be different. And our author today is just that, Robert Clancy. He's an author. He's an inspirational speaker. He's about community. He's about how to be a change maker and not just talking about it, but actually putting feet on the conversation. Robert, welcome to our show today. I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you so much for having me here. It's just truly a pleasure to uh, speak with you. Well, I'm already a fan of yours. Um, we have the same publicist, Dia Chandere, <laughs> so we'll give a shout-out to her. Thank you, God, for Dia Chandere. And all that <laughs> Absolutely. She does, right? All that she does to put positivity out on the planet and, and the world. And we really appreciate her. She's just uh, an, an amazing publicist. Uh, that being said, Robert... Um, what made you an intentional spirit? I mean, you have so much going on, uh, and you're so successful, and your bio is, you know, two pages long. So, but here we are, and we're talking about community and making a difference. How did you get wow. that? Wow. Yeah, that, that <laughs> is a, a big question. Um, I've been pottering, um, that pretty much my whole life, but, uh, I can start out and tell you, I know I've always been on this path. I'm a truly um, the most analytical, scientific person you'll probably see on the planet and equally as spiritual, which is a weird combination. And I had a roundabout way of getting there. And, um, you know, I was kind of on the path most of my life. I always knew what compassion was. And at age 19, I I lost many friends uh, to suicide, car accidents, and everything just fell apart. I stopped caring, so then my grades plummeted at college, and I was a straight-A student, and I was almost kicked out of college. I mean, it came that close. Um, And it just rock bottom. I know where that is because my feet were standing on it. And this uh, person in the restaurant I worked at, it was a waitress there, she saw through me and knew what was going on. She said, I know what you're doing to yourself and you're going to end up destroying yourself if you stay on this path. And I knew that. And uh, I tried to deny it at first. And then I broke down because she gave me that 50 yard stare. 
and she handed me this little pamphlet on how to meditate. And she said, this has gotten me through some difficult times in my life. And I want you to stay at the bars tonight and you're going home and you're going to do this. And all I can tell you is my first time meditating, uh, an angel manifested in my room. And I saw it with my eyes open or closed. And it was there for probably about 45 minutes to an hour. And I, you know, me being the analytical scientific person, you know, all of a sudden then you're confronted with that. And my life was changed. And um, I think she healed me. And then she touched me in the forehead at the end of this. And I was plugged into heaven. I know what that feels like. I know what that kind of knowledge is. And I started um, my new path the next morning. I mean, I went to bed smiling. And I talked to myself in the mirror for an hour after this because you can imagine Oh, yeah. I couldn't really tell anyone. Right, and right. Believe it or not, I kept this a secret even from my family for the last 30 years. This is I've been just walking among everyone with this knowledge and knowing, and that's what I told myself at 19. I looked at my eyes in the mirror and I said, you're going to have to live the rest of your days knowing for sure it's real. That heaven wow. does exist. So you're so, like a big coming out party. This is your coming out time. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And yeah, uh, on December wow. 1st, yeah, December 1st, 2012, I woke up beyond inspired. I can't even describe it to you. And it's almost like I see love math on everything. Everything inspires me now. It's... um. It's like the lens was, the rest of the veil was lifted off of my mind's eye or something. I don't know what happened, but I woke up and that's when I started my Facebook page. And there's like 300,000 people following the post and it's just stuff I write every day. I wake up with it and it's just written. It's, and I just post it. Wow. So you feel, is is that coming through you or, or do you feel like you're being guided by um an essence or you're channeling this kind of information? Both. I, I think mm-hmm. it's more not channeling, but I feel like I'm just a conduit. It's just right. um, plugged in and it's just right there. Uh, you know, like I, somebody handed me a fire extinguisher and I got multiple quotes, you know, that words that come from it. And mm-hmm. it was like the word respiratory was on it. And I said, when the air is filled with love, you'll never have respiratory issues. Just breathe and enjoy life. And then the word pressure was on there. And I said, when you feel the weight of the world upon you, know that love will hold up anything as long as your faith does too. <laughs> and I mean, everything. I can just see a plant or a person or a child smiling or anything. It's, it's, it's that. So hopefully that answered your question of how I got on this path. And absolutely, absolutely. And, and with us in Unity, um, which is part of our listening audience, uh, certainly not all of our listening audience. I mean, this is um, the kind of conversation. These are the kind of conversations that I'm not saying we're so used to them that it's like, oh, well, that's nice. Um, but yeah. they are just but because it's common ground for us to talk about uh, the the powerful awakenings that happen and 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 to really address that either people that have had either near death or near life experiences you know yours is more of a near life experience where you've had a great awakening where you've seen veils of things that that are very clear and evident to you and yet not necessarily to other people they perhaps have that same opportunity but yet have not 
been in a space to allow or to be or right. to, to go a step further. You know, you were willing to allow a conversation to happen with you. And it, it, there are such amazing, uh, you know, between that thin veil of, of things that are possible and that happen. And it does feel like a huge coming out when when you're willing to speak it out loud because these aren't conversations people are having at the barber shop and you know they're not even conversations that they're having in 12 step programs or you know right. or often um sadly they're not even having them in spiritual conver- you know in spiritual communities they're still referring to things that happened over 2000 years ago because they don't seem to think they can create stories for themselves of things that are happening right now you're talking right. about that kind of level, but right now through your own sacred story. So I just really applaud you, and I wasn't being facetious by saying I'm I'm already a fan because I I, I understand fundamentally the courage that it takes to stand yeah. up, stand out, uh, and and speak your truth. Well, I well, I know that yeah. you I know that we want to delve into your new book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul, but I I want to talk to you about um, how you are about love, uh, because how you are about love is how I am about energy, and that there's more than we can ever tap into. You know, as we look at a nation that complains of sleep deprivation, and I, you know, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm just so tired. And so I feel like you do that. You could never use all the energy that's available to you in your lifetime. That's for sure. You're that way with love. You say it's impossible. To love too much. It's just impossible. Why is it that people think I only have a love bucket like a bank account and it's only going to go so far? Talk to us about that. I want to hear what you have to say and I just want to say that none of this is planned. <laughs> we are live <laughs> no, on not. the air. We are live on the air. Yeah. No, the, um, that's a great question and I've thought deeply about that. And what it comes down to is we are not humans with souls we're souls surrounded in humanity and when love seems limited it's because you're limited to your humanity in it and it just seems to i I almost like visualize people running around these little dixie cups of of their love and they're protecting it and they don't want to get it you know somebody's going to drink from it or take from it or or bump me and spill it and that's a great visual for it and and i'm i'm standing back here watching them and saying you're standing on a beach next to an ocean. The love's there all the time. It's there forever. It's like, why are you worried about your little cup when you can just dip it back in the ocean at any point and it's there? So I think it comes down to that. And for me, love has no boundaries. It has, you know, so it, it is limitless. It, it has no walls and it can never be conquered. Um, it's always open. So therefore it's infinite. And the love that we have here, it's like it feeds the other side at the same time. So when you do an act of kindness, for instance, just that's why I'm so big into volunteerism. And anytime that you help someone and ease their life, it's like you're, you're, you're writing this symphony that gets played endlessly forever for you. And all it starts is as a simple note. But every note, you know, of every beautiful piece of music starts as a single note. And that's that smile that you can carry out the door the tool that you have with you every day you wake up and you can start by sharing that. If you can't do any volunteer work, you can certainly volunteer a smile. And, you know, as you said, I had this awakening and, and, um, 
you know, speaking up about it. And it's, um, you know, the awakening happened 30 years ago, and it just continues. And I'm like you. I'm on the other side. I'm standing there looking at almost like I'm having an out-of-body experience seeing myself. Like, who is that? You know, what? it's almost like there's two voices there that I have and it's the career and calling. It's, uh, it's my regular life, who people think I am, who I really am. And, and all of those things intertwine. So it's quite a, quite a journey. And that's really how I'm being changed. I think every day through this. Well, you know, we often say there's an old saying that says, um, you can't put a, a square peg into a round hole. And I think that that's often, you know, where people fundamentally are coming from is trying to put a square peg in a round hole. And, 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 and it is always a balance. I know that you talk a lot about balance simply because you've had the experience of being out of balance. But in that space, you know, it's like we're both and we're a circle and we are a square. And it's how to have that container. We're in a square, meaning in the box of the environment we're in and, and, and collective consciousness about what people believe is acceptable or ordinary or whatever. But then we have this circle of some of us that are willing to step outside of this circle, expand that. Awareness, expand that connection and to embrace some, you know, new things that people haven't, you know, thought about. And it's just very interesting when you when you see how people live in a box. I remember when um, I brought uh, eight dogs back from Brazil, uh, myself and another uh, business partner, and we were just so thrilled about it, you know. And then somebody said, well, why would you do that? You know, well, why would you do that? I don't, well, I don't know why you would do that when we have dogs in St. Petersburg. Um, you know, why didn't you get them? And I go, well, because I'm global, not just local. And the St. Peter's dogs haven't come up to me yet. And when they come up to me, I'll help them. You know, it's just like, really, do we have to be in a box? I mean, and, and, and in our circle, in our circle of humanity, if you help something in Brazil, you've helped something in St. Petersburg or you've helped something at Unity Village. You know, that's just the way it is. You can't help something, uh, change to a new place without changing all of it in a new place, you know? Exactly. So, and I, I look at it this way. You know, it's not even about thinking outside of the box. It's it's starting to think without the box. Exactly. <laughs> Why well, do you need the yeah, box? Yeah, that's first a whole place? <laughs> Yeah. That's we were trying to give them little baby steps, so Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, yeah. and you'll be happy to know that um that there's a saying about me here. It's like, don't give t- anything to Temple in a box. She doesn't eat <laughs> anything out of a box. Um, she doesn't want to hear about a box. Just have no box. <laughs> don't even deliver anything in the mail to her in a box. So I'm with you. You are, you're so right. Well, when you started really into this new practice and, and not having the box, um, and, 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 and being willing, you were, you were talking about, for 30 years, you didn't tell your family that you, you know, are connected on many different levels um, to however many entities or whatever you have. What was their response? Did they say, you know, well, I always knew. Um, did they embrace you or is there, how is that? Yeah, I mean, they, they've embraced it and it's... Um the night that I disclosed it and I decided to tell the rest of the family was the night I told my dad uh, that um, I knew my mom was going to pass away that night at, at uh, around 2.30 a.m., which she did. 
and this is a few hours before that. And I sat, you know, next to him and he, you know, he was uh, in a wheelchair. He had a stroke um, and I, I wheeled him up and I, I was struggling. I, I said, I need to tell him, I need to tell him what happened to me, especially tonight because, you know, they've been married for 64 years and I knew that kind of love. I know what that's, that dedication to each other. And I didn't want to lose him too. Mm. So I told him and I told him exactly what I told you. And I said, it's the God's honest truth. This is what happened to me. And he just nodded his head. And the next morning, you know, my mom had passed away. We brought him down and we thought this is going to be the most horrific moment of our entire life. You know, my dad seeing my mom's body and we brought him in to see her. And the staff at the nursing home had placed a rose in her hands. And she was just laying peacefully there. And he looked up at me and looked at her and said, doesn't my sweetie look beautiful? Mm. And then he, then he turned to me and said, you know, can you tell your Uncle Dan, that's her brother, about the angel? So wow. that was a great moment. And that's how I told, you know, my family. And my uncle, who's very spiritual, said, I always knew something with you because you're, you're special. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the faith, you know, I don't have faith. It's just belief. It's, uh, for me, faith is a belief in something you're not sure of. And for me, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. Uh, 100%. There's no variance from that because I know I wasn't hallucinating when that happened. Um, I know what happened to me and I know how it was changed from that. And I've had to go through that, you know, and, and live with the knowledge of knowing. Um, and then this, the awakening as it, as it happens and it's every day, you know, there's different things and um, just feeling, um, you know, I can't take this to the grave and people need to know. And mm-hmm. that's why I decided to start walking this path and, you know, I, as you said, I, I own a design firm. I own a successful business. You know, is this going to ruin my business or something? It's only helped. It's only enhanced um, that. So I, I don't feel there's anything in it. I've spent my whole life avoiding talking about religion or faith or anything. And even after knowing for the last 30 years, um, there's a handful of people that I did tell at critical moments in their life. Um, but for the large part, most people did not know. Well, you have just, um, I tell you, just a, such a broad, multifaceted story. Um, I, I find it amazing. I, I certainly just am so grateful to have you on, on our show today. I want to thank all of you who participate fully with the Intentional Spirit. Not only do you download the MP3s, but you share them with your friends. We're so grateful that because of you, that we are such a well-known show now. And all of you that continue to give your contributions to Unity Online Radio, uh, we have people all over the world giving us feedback that are touched by our stories, by our hosts, and the various ways in which we are all talking about the Great Awakening, which is what we're part of. Not something we're waiting for. It's something that we're a part of. When we come back, we'll be talking about Robert Clancy's powerful book The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul you can actually go to his website the hitchhiker's guide to the soul.com we'll be right back following this short break
You like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth-seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Rev. Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Rev. Temple Hayes. So welcome, everyone. Welcome back. We're talking with Robert Clancy. His website is hitchhikersguidetothesoul.com. Robert, uh, your book, filled with inspirational stories, uh, transcendental journeys, that really the whole idea is to transform the way people look at community, being of community service, um, while also the book's intention is to offer a deeper insight into one's own, own personal path. Why don't you uh, share with us a couple of stories from the book? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll tie it into something that we were talking about. It was when my mother passed away, and it was actually, I had several incredible moments during that time. 
and beautiful. Uh, you know, I always look for the silver linings in everything. And my mother had, you know, um, she was barely conscious. She was in the room. I know my sister was in, and we were doing like 24-hour vigil because we knew it would be any day. I know at least they, you know, it was right around Mother's Day that this was all going on. And I, I got to the, um, the, the home where she was, where they were caring for her, and I heard a, a woman's voice in the room. So I thought it was my sister, and there's like a little hallway that you go into before you actually enter the room completely. And so I got about, you know, three quarters of the way down. And then I realized it was, it was the nurse, you know, in there with her and the nurse, I, she didn't know I was in the room. I was just peeking around the corner and she was talking to my mom and she said the most beautiful things to her as if it was like her mom, you know, it was, it was, she was holding my mom's face. She was rubbing her head and she was saying, you know, these beautiful things to her and I kind of coughed, you know, to make myself present. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, like somebody's in the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I said, and she said, oh, I, I didn't realize anyone was there. And I said, oh, I just got here. She said, have you been there very long? <laughs> and I said, long enough to see what you did. And she said, and I thought only God was watching me. Mm. And, you know, when people have that level of compassion, and and that level of caring, it's just a beautiful thing. And I got to witness that firsthand. So, you know, out of care for my mother, I knew she was in great hands because somebody was there that cared as much as I did about her. And I almost get emotional just thinking about that level of care that somebody has to do that for someone else. And, you know, those stories are all captured in this book. So I, I try to, these little moments, and they're short stories. Um, it's it's easy to read. And I, I know people that just randomly pick pages and at night and will just read the story again. And they tell me later. And I, I said, how many times have you read the book? They're like, I don't even know. They just pick a, you know, some <laughs> a fortune each night. And, and I have these quotes in there, some of my favorite quotes that I've compiled over the years and. Um, place them with each story so that there's a lot of different levels of information that you'll get. And really it's to center you and to, to keep you on track. Well, and they're, they're the kind of books that we all, we can't get enough of, you know, they're very popular because of what you just said. There's always going to be a story in there that's going to be pertinent to, you know, what you're going through or what you're experiencing at the time or, or what you know of, of someone at the time. Do you have a favorite story from the book? I mean, uh, as an author, then, of course, the right answer would be, you know, every story in the book is my favorite story. Well, of course, because you picked it, you know. But on the other hand, is there one that really is, well, if I were known for this story, this would be the one? Well, there's there's a few, and... You know, they're not, it's not necessarily a story per se of how I wrote it. It's the story itself of what happened to me. And those, those things are kind of the, the big peaks. And I tried to capture some of those in this book and, um, throughout my life. And one of them is just when I was at age six. So, you know, back as far as, you know, I can remember, I've always known what love is. And at age six, we went on a vacation to Jamaica. And it was the first time we were 
on this big vacation. It was back in 1971. So I was only, now you can figure out how old I am, but it was. Uh, oh, you're probably you know, yeah, yeah. younger than the rest of us. So we're very happy for you. So thank you for bringing that up. That's okay. Um, but at age, yeah, at age six, I, I'm on vacation and um, I didn't know how to swim. I had fallen in a pool earlier, probably at age three or four, and I was deathly afraid of the water, didn't know how to swim. And I met this man at the pool. He was a young man from Jamaica, and he was wearing a shirt that said pool man on it, and he introduced himself as Alex the pool man. And before I go, you know, totally to the story, during this trip, he had given me shells, but he gave me so much more. I still have the shells that that man gave me. And I also have a Polaroid picture of him on my desk that I've had for the last, you know, 40, <laughs> 44 years, um, that meant that much to me. And he saved my life in three ways and three different times while I was on that trip. You know, he taught me how to swim. He actually got me to uh, not fear the water. He showed me he was an expert diver. And when I met him, it was one of those kindred spirits, you know, that I thought I was older. When I look back at the dates that I went on this trip, I couldn't believe I was only six because I felt so much older on that. And both of us had this connection that it was almost like we knew each other and we reconnected after hundreds of years or something. You know, it was like, wow, there you are again. You know, you're back in my life. And we were like best friends. So he told me how to swim. And later that week, I had fallen in the pool when no one was around. I would have drowned. And I was so excited that I was able to swim, get out of the pool. Uh, you know, my clothes were all wet, but, you know, mm -hmm. still it was fine. And I told him, and he was so excited that he took me to get the shells that I still have today. And on the journey to get these shells, I saw a purple balloon in the water and went running for it. And we're alone. We're way down on the beach, you know, because he's got this secret shell stash uh, that he sells to tourists. You know, he goes in and has them hidden so that nobody can take them all. And he, he stores them, you know, in a place along the beach. And so on my way to grab this balloon, the next thing I know, I had the wind knocked out of me because I went flying through the air. He threw me. And the balloon wrapped around his legs. And it turned out to be a Portuguese man of war jellyfish and one of the biggest ones he'd ever seen. And it stung him. And he told me that I wouldn't have lived if it had stung me because he wouldn't have been able to get me to a doctor in time because of my size and everything. So, you know, he saved my life physically again. And when I, on the way there, he kept telling me about his village where he was from and that he sells these shells that he dives and risks his life for to get coral and other things to sell to tourists to support this village. And I begged my parents to let me go to this village because I wanted to go see it. And they made arrangements and had, you know, me go up there. And it was just me, my parents, my brother and sister weren't there to go with him up to this village. And it was in the mountains. And all the kids presented me with fruit when I got there. They piled it up around my feet and gave me all this stuff. And I remember saying to them, no, I'm just like you. You don't have to do this, you know, like. You don't have to treat me differently. And I remember their clothes were ripped, but they were all happy. You know, they had tattered clothes. 
the village had thatch roofs. It was, you know, I remember saying something to him like, are you people poor people? And he smiled and laughed and he said, what we are not, you know, rich with in money, we are rich with love. And look at uh-huh. the beautiful view we have. And there was this tree with avocados in it and the kids were getting them down for me in this village. And then he picked me up and put me on this donkey and walked me through the village and they put a crown of palm leaves on my head and treated me like I was royalty. And when I got back to our cottage, I told my parents to give all of the clothes that they had bought for me for this vacation to the kids in the village, and they gave it to them. I only flew home with the clothes on my back. And that was my first act of compassion. You know, something that, you know, he taught me all of those things on this trip at age six. And, you know, we have these people that come into our lives that guide us on a path. And he was one of those kindred spirits. And we just have to look out for them. They're almost like signposts. And they're like, the road's this way. And you step on it. And that's what I learned from that. So that story is the one that's, you know, I've always had. And I've always called him Alex the Pool Man. That's all I ever knew him as. I don't know what his last name is. I think only Oprah could find him for me. <laughs> I'd love to see him again or his children or something. Um, but all I have is that, you know, <laughs> fading uh, Polaroid picture and a memory. Well, you ought to tell Oprah to be interested in finding him for you. Perhaps she will. Yeah. That's a beautiful that be story. <laughs> and what a what a great setup for you to have it you know, six or seven years old is to have that awareness uh, so that you spend your life really looking for uh, those people that come on your path for a reason or a season or a lifetime. It's pretty, pretty amazing, you know, when you're that attentive of things that can, and they're just, they're, they're in the moment. I remember I was on a plane going to London. I had a, a speaking uh, gig in the UK for a couple of weeks. And so I, they had given us out the paper, uh, the pink paper, you know, for London. And the, uh, the flight attendant says, Oh, we're down. We're actually out. Would you two people mind sharing? So in other words, it brought myself and this other person together that we weren't even seated side by side because we started sharing the paper. And so I said, you know, hi and blah, blah. And, and she's, I go, where are you from? And, and she goes, I'm from, um, Palm Desert, California. And I said, I know one person really well. <laughs> Uh, now I know many, but uh, this was many years ago. It's like I know one person really well from Palm Desert, California, and his name is Tom. And she said, do you mean Dr. Tom? And I went, do you know Dr. Tom Costa? She said, he's one of my favorite people <laughs> of all time. So there's then the the open heart, right? And I, I tell her I'm visiting. She said, you know, I'm coming back. I used to live here, and I'm coming back for a wedding. But I have the whole day. What about I spend the whole day with you and show you all the sights, give you kind of an overview, so you can come back later and really enjoy them. And those are the moments of people that they're there, they're they're on the path, and 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 you have the experience of the path, 
and and how you, of all the people on the planet that you're there, uh, but you also can see the oneness, you know, within all of us. I, I love it. I I and I I love what you have have done with the book. That's very very powerful. And thank you because I just had a memory of of that story. And like you, I have many, but. We'll leave it at that uh, for the moment. Tell me, I'm going to just at random, let me see. I'm going to go into a space within myself. Okay, I got the number 63. Okay, we'll see where we, uh, oh my. <laughs> Are you ready to laugh? <laughs> because that's one of the more humorous stories in the book. So, of yeah, course I'm, 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 laugh. <laughs> That's what Spirit said. 63 came to my awareness. That is uh, supposed that's to be. Just the, um, Chapter called Spider Man. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, as and, long as it's not about a nudist camp or something like no. that. No. <laughs> no, but oh, it, it is uh, it's more. It's one of the lighter stories in the in the book. No pun intended, but it's. Uh, got it. The okay. what happened? Um, I've got a friend of mine that I've known since two years old, and he he had uh, his son's birthday when he was about four years old. He'd been telling his son for three months he's going to have Spider-Man at the party. Spider-Man is coming. His son, I mean, he went into his house. Spider-Man bedspread, Spider-Man wallpaper, Spider-Man, you know, pajamas, Spider-Man shoes, Spider-Man sneakers, everything. So his son was, as we say, a huge mega fan of (laughs) Spider-Man. And he's been telling him he's coming. I get this call out of the blue, and he says, you know, my, my son's birthday is this weekend. Uh, you know, he's turning four, and we have Spider-Man. But the guy who was supposed to do this that I hired months ago just bailed on me. And I know you know some martial arts. So I'm thinking in the back of my head, he wants me to go over and beat this guy up and tell him he's going to be Spider-Man. And he said, no, no, I, I bought a professional, you know, movie replica costume of Spider-Man. And I think it will fit you. And at this point, I turned white. I said, there's no way I am dressing up as Spider-Man. And this is not that many years ago. This is like probably, you know, six years ago, you know, that this happened. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. And he, he said, you know, I'm really desperate. And I could tell by the tone in his voice he really was. So I said, all right, drop the costume off at my office and put it in a brown bag so nobody knows what this is. And I'll bring it home and try it on. And if it fits, I'll call you. That's it. I'm not green to anything. I'll just call you. So I unfurl this thing at home and I put it on. And uh, it did fit like a glove, <laughs> which is probably not the best thing. <laughs> but uh, so I, I walked past the mirror and I'm like, wow, I am Spider-Man. I am a superhero and I kind of do a couple poses and I'm like, yeah, maybe I could do this. Uh, so I call him back as yes, I'm, I'm still wearing the costume. <laughs> I've got the headpiece off and I call him and I said, okay, it fits. And I said, I'll do it. All right. So what time at your house? Oh, it's not at his house. It's at one of those Chuck E. Cheese places. <laughs> so I'm like horrified now. And I'm talking about changing, you know, maybe at the bathroom, I'll just duck out of the party, come back. And he said, no, my son's too smart. He would figure that out. And he'd be devastated if he ever figured out, you know, that you were Spider-Man. He would keep put two and two together. You've got to change, you know, outside. So I'm thinking I'm going to change at home and drive. Well, let me tell you, you can't drive with a Spider-Man costume on because 
it's a full suit thing and you can't hold the steering wheel too well and you can take the headpiece off but still your feet are slipping on the pedals so i had to change in my car like th- you know three or four parking lots away so i'm thinking i'm gonna get arrested i don't know how superman does this in a phone booth but i'm in the back seat of a car <laughs> trying to get this thing on so i get in there the kids go absolutely crazy and they think i'm spider-man and i'm doing all the you know my martial arts stuff um I'm talking to them about, you know, the villains that I, I dealt with and I'm doing all the poses and, and all of a sudden this one little boy comes over to me and he looks me right in the eye piece. You know, he comes right up and looks into the lenses on the Spider-Man costume. And then he announces to everybody, I know who he is. And I, I knew the little boy too. So I'm like, Hey Joey, let's not tell everybody who Spider-Man is and whose secret identity because you'll ruin my best friend's son for life. (laughs) (laughs) And he gets all the kids together and he says, I'm going to tell. And he points right at me. The room goes silent and I'm looking, I'm, you know, kind of shrug my shoulders at my best friend. I'm like, dude, I got no control over this. And the the little boy announces, he's like, he's Peter Parker. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just die because I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, he really thinks I am Spider-Man. <laughs> so I gather them all in, and I, I slap down on the floor. And by this point, they're treating me like a giant teddy bear Spider-Man. The kids are, are like, hugging me. They're holding, you know, one kid's hanging off my neck, and, and they're all around me. And I said, okay, you can't tell anybody who my secret identity is, but I want to tell you a secret about a powerful word. And I told them it's love. And so their eyes go big, like they're taking notes, like love. Okay, love's good. I got to keep love. Love's a secret word. And I said, you need to use that every day with your parents. And you need to hug them and tell them that you love them. And then, I, you know, their eyes go really big. And they, they keep squeezing in closer to me as I'm telling them this, you know, because I'm right down with them on their level while this is happening. And it was one of those moments, you know, where, you know, here's this message that was going to them. And then I left, you know, I said, okay, they, they're going to have the cake. So my friend gives me the signal to go change into, you know, back to regular street, Bob, you know, I'm going to be the regular Joe coming in. <laughs> and I come back into the party and the parents are there and they all start applauding as I walk through the door. And wow. this one mom came over to me with tears streaming down her cheeks and she hugs me and she said, you are a superhero. Mm. And what you just did for my child was absolutely amazing. And, you know, it was that moment that I realized, you know, we're all superheroes. You know, the cape and mask are optional, but a kind heart is essential. And we just need to find our greatest asset and exploit it for the greater good of humanity. And we all have a unique talent that we can do that for. And it was a life-changing moment out of something that I didn't want to do. And, you know, there it is, one of those moments that changes you. And it's, it's like I walked out of there going, wow, what just happened? What just happened here? Out of something silly, something fun. And it's a life-changing moment. So that's the Spider-Man story. That's a powerful story. Very powerful. Um, I, I love the quote, uh, one of many you have on your website, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul. Uh, we're all linked in an infinite chain of love. Never be the weakest link in this chain. Now, I think that's so key and crucial of just people being awake to the moment. 
you know, just being aware of, of sometimes the greatest interruptions are the greatest opportunities for either a redirect, a new opportunity that's knocking on the door that you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. Um, and, and like you're saying, it could be somebody wearing a pool shirt. Uh, we we send to, we tend to have like uh, ideas of of billboards in our heads like oh that's just the yard man or well that's just the guy that brings coffee you know rather right. than and I I I heard this story like twenty or thirty years ago about a person that at every every restaurant they went to they always called the waiter by name and. You know, they would thank the shelf when it was, you know, possible. And I, I really live by that. And because you just never know who's with you, what it's about, uh, what the connection is, uh, what they're going to tell you. Um, it's amazing, you know, to live by that, that everybody has a name and everybody is a link in the chain. So I love that quote. Yeah, I look at it, you know, every day we have is like a blank canvas. And we have a choice in how we're going to paint it. But more so, we have a choice of everyone can be painted in that picture if we just allow it to happen. And the brush strokes come from our heart and being open to those moments. And really, you know, there's so many interactions. And you talk about that. I had a, it's not in the book, but I have where I saw a guy cutting grass, you know, and he, he was kind of a burly looking guy wearing a football jersey and shorts and scruffy beard and he's pushing this old mower you know around this little place and I was waiting for my wife she was in a a store picking up something and I I kind of glanced over and and no one else was seeing this guy and he shuts the lawnmower off and I see him I thought he hit a rock or something or he's gonna and he reaches down to grab something out of the grass and I see a, a frog jump out of his hand so I'm watching this big giant guy trying to catch this little tiny frog, and he finally does. And I'm like, "What's he going to do with this? You know, he's got this lawnmower. He could have just run it over." Um, and he walks about, you know, 200 yards up the side street, and I'm thinking now he's going to throw it into the woods. And he kneels down with his hands cupped, and he gently places it next to some ferns. And he stays there and watches the frog until it gets far enough into the woods that he knows it's okay. And then he just walks back and starts the mower back up and finishes his job. And I'm thinking, did anybody just witness this or am I the only one that saw this? Because it was another one of those moments where look at that act of compassion and reverence for life that just happened. And if I had prejudged that guy, I would have never saw that, you know, and every one of us have that opportunity to open to someone like that. Mm. It's hard to have anything to say after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. No, I mean, that's just so beautiful. It touched my soul. What um, What are some of the things you know for sure about love, Robert? <laughs> wow. Um, I know that love never ends. Love never dies. Love always is. Um, love is the infinite fabric that connects us all together. And I know for sure that the love that we have here is multiplied beyond your thoughts that you could ever have of how great it is or how grand it is on the other side. And the other side to me 
is layered right on top of us. So love is everywhere. And um, you can always, you know, use more. I, I tell people I, I can't thank them from the bottom of my heart because I've never gotten there. So that's mm. what I know for sure. Oh, now, wait a minute. You can't leave me like that. Say that again. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> I can't thank you from the bottom of my heart because I've never, I've never been gotten there. Because <laughs> there love is, is that big. Oh my <laughs> there God. is no bottom. So using that one. Okay, I'll give you credit, but I'm using that. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's, that a, that a preach, that a teach. I can't think. Oh my gosh, I love that one. Because <laughs> we, there is no bottom. Right. So when people say, you know, I'll thank you from the bottom of my heart, I've never gotten there, so I can't. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I talk to people that have lost someone close to them. You know, we've I've had a lot of loss in the past few years. It was my best friend's sister committed suicide. Um, it was his younger sister. There was uh, my niece suddenly passed away at college, um, lost both of my parents, uh, both of my best friend's parents, uh, just a lot of things. I mean, it was in a very short span of time. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot about grief uh, through that. And, you know, I don't ever say sorry for your loss when somebody passes because I don't think that they're lost, they're found. And you know, letting go of grief is not letting go of your loved one. It's creating more room in your heart for the love that you have for them. And if you have a big heart, then you must have a lot of love that needs to be shared with others. And that's kind of what, you know, I believe and how big love is when you can do that. And if you can transcend that and let go of that grief, you know, and I know you gotta, you have to have it. It's part of life. We wouldn't have had it here if it didn't mean something. Mm-hmm. But it's also once you're able to transcend it and turn that grief into that love, it's the love is always greater, and it's you can share endlessly the love that you have for that person. So that's the key thing of getting over. Wow! So tell us how with the practice of being present and. There's always more to give, and the more you give, the more you have. Um, how is it? How are you spreading your work? What What are you doing? How can our listeners uh, find you, connect with you? And I understand you also have another book, so it'd be great for you to mention that to us as well. Sure. Well, I have uh, I have actually two more books and a fourth one in the works, so there's a lot going on. Um, but uh, the best place to go, actually, the shortcut to my website is just guidetothesoul.com, so you don't have to okay. spell out the hitchhikers if you don't want to. <laughs> okay. And uh, I also have a Facebook page uh, that's facebook.com slash guidetothesoul, where I post every day. I try to write one inspirational, original thought that when, when I wake up or that come to me throughout the day, and I'll, I'll put these. I have like 54,000 words I've written, so that's a lot since December 1st, 2012, <laughs> and they're I all up say, there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't put a warning label up there, but if you read too many of them all at once, you're probably going to overdose on love, and I'm really not responsible for what you do, so I'm just putting that <laughs> out there. <laughs> the uh, second book is Daily Downloads and Fortune Cookies from the Universe, and that's the first 350 
uh, inspirational thoughts and poems that I wrote. And I have a free book uh, called Love's Awakening, which is a, um, a poetry book uh, that's more like affirmations. And you get that for free uh, as an ebook if you sign up for my newsletter, which is on the website. So if you do sign up that guide to the soul.com, uh, you can get that as well as guided meditations and some inspirational music as some gifts for that. So that's um, those are basically how you can connect. And I'm, you know, honored with anybody that reaches out to me. I do read all the the posts and comments on the page, and I'm just deeply, deeply touched by the people from around the world that have embraced me and and my words. So it's just an honor to be able to bring those every day, and uh, I, I really thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. Uh, hearing from people. Well, it's just really been uh, a pleasure and a privilege to have you on the show. I'm, I, I love your work, um, your intentionality, your your modeling. It's just, you know, really impressive. For those of you that like these types of conversations, please join our community at firstunity.org, firstunity.org, or visit templehays.com to find out more about the broader global work that we're doing, not only on behalf of Unity and New Thought, but also just simple spiritual social activism of how to make a difference and be involved deeper within community. And Robert, that's what I found, you know, so attractive about what you're about is you're you're completing the full circle. You know, you're out yeah. there, you're you're being a difference maker. Uh, and the way that we open the show by the willingness to be different, taking the courage and the leap to do that. And um, I feel very confident that you've proven to the audience today that when you are different, people really rise to the top with you. You don't lose people, you gain people. Uh, and even, you know, in that, uh, you gain people in a deeper way that they really resonate with you, which is probably the original reason they were attracted to you in the first place for that true authentic self so everyone go to guide to the soul.com learn more about robert clancy and i'll look forward to having you be part of our show as we gather again as intentional spirits thank you robert keep up the thank good you. work keep up <laughs> the right. good work it's been a pleasure thank you Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. of thousands of listeners like you have been transformed through the ministry of Paulette Pipe and her program, Touching the Stillness, one of the longest-running programs on Unity Online Radio. 
Paulette's latest album of guided meditations, Blissful Stillness, is a new and different experience. The mystical quality of our beautiful voice will reverberate through a Zen-style meditation, a mudra meditation, which are yoga hand positions to deepen your practice, and guided meditations, which we know and love. It features a new instrumental sound by Kelly Hunt with a bonus track by Kathy Zavada. Experience a blissful immersion into quiet and stillness by purchasing your own copy at shop.unityonline.org. If you or someone you love has ever failed at anything, remember, accomplishments are often built on successful failures. Our greatest heroes have survived setbacks and losses of some kind. What makes them heroic is their capacity to have compassion for themselves, to know when to reach out for help, and to always, always start again. We learn to do something by first believing and then by doing it. In Unity, we celebrate the spiritual gift of strength given to us by our Creator. There is an unlimited amount of strength and courage available to you now. Trust it and expand your life. The result will be positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio, the teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 
right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.